Hi, this is Dr. Bill Renner. I myself am board certified in internal medicine and radiology. I'm honored to moderate a series of podcasts focused on evidence-based medicine with Dr. Alan Safdie. Dr. Safdie has lectured around the world and was a principal investigator in about 300 clinical research studies and co-investigator in about 900 peer-reviewed clinical research studies. Alan, today let's talk about COVID-19 and the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine. Uh, There's been some less than enthusiastic um, welcoming for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, Can you tell me, is that warranted? You know, Bill, that's a great question. Let me back up and, you know, give you some insights into a lot of the research I've done. When we have studies, um, we can't go across studies to compare things. Um, because there's different patient populations, there's different selection times. So when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was being studied, it was being studied at a time when we started to notice a lot of these variants, the 351 variant, the South African variant, the ones in Brazil, uh, and the 117 variant. Uh, When the Moderna and Pfizer studies were being done, we didn't have the South African variant at that time. So that's why we do things called comparative efficacy studies, meaning I will have two vaccines and give one vaccine to 10,000 patients or 1,000 patients and the other vaccine to 10,000 or 1,000 patients at the same time and be able to compare the data extremely well. So we do not have a comparative efficacy study. We have patients going, I want the 94 or 95% effective vaccine. I don't want one that's 72% effective. So what we're going to do here is delve into the data from the Johnson & Johnson study. And it's more encouraging to me um, than you would think at first blush when you just hear 66%, 72%. Um, so let's delve a little bit more into let, that data. Let me ask you just real quickly, why do you think the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, is a good vaccine, and why should people take the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? Well, you know, what we need to look at is the vaccine candidate, this Johnson & Johnson vaccine, was 85% effective in preventing severe disease um, across all regions, including South Africa. So that was not just in the United States, where we don't have this more virulent uh, mutation. At this point, we have three cases as of today. Um, and the efficacy against severe disease, which is something that they didn't, you know, we don't have enough data yet, but if we look at the data that they published, the efficacy against severe disease increased over time. So the longer you went after the vaccination, vaccination, the better there was. So with no cases in the vaccinated participants having severe disease after day 49, um, so it may take a little bit longer to get higher antibody levels. But looking at hospitalizations, uh, ICU admissions, ventilation, you know, ECMO, all the things where we're oxygenating people on a machine, uh, there was no reported cases among participants that received the, uh, you know, Janssen or Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, you have to look at 28 days post-vaccination or later to see that data. So that's what we want. We don't want people getting sick. We don't want people dying. We don't want people in the hospital. And so, so the Johnson, after 28 days, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine prevented people 
from being hospitalized and they prevented deaths. Yeah, looking at this, you know, this vaccine candidate um, provided complete protection, at least within the study, against COVID-19 related hospitalization and death if we look four weeks out after vaccination. And that's pretty typical of vaccines. It takes a while to develop full antibodies. Yeah, uh, to me, that's very exciting. If we have a vaccine that stops people from going to the hospital and stops people from dying, to me, that's a pretty good vaccine. Well, that's what we want. I mean, we give the flu vaccine. We want to mitigate the flu. We want to stop people from dying from the flu. Can people still get it? Yes, but they may get less severe disease. Um, so, you know, an 85% efficacy in preventing severe disease is really good. We're getting up to the same stuff. And this is the same data as we were in the previous uh, messenger RNA vaccines. But, you know, the thing to remember is this was studied at a different time when there was different viral replication going on in the patients. And this was a huge study. Um, one of the other things that people, you know, we'd love to see greater than 90% efficacy. Um, and, you know, we may, uh, you know, they are studying a two-dose regimen, uh, which I don't think most people know. Uh, th- there's an Ensemble 1, which was a study that you've seen published, Ensemble two, they're continuing to be recruited for, which these participants that got the first dose will also get a second dose spaced two months apart. Uh, And this may give better protection and longer protection. So maybe we can get to the greater than 90%, but I'm really encouraged by something that doesn't have to, the cold chain requirements, meaning you don't have to keep things frozen. It can be kept in the refrigerator in your family doctor's office. Uh, it can be, we have to vaccinate the world. We can't just vaccinate the United States and people don't understand that. Um, if we don't vaccinate, you know, this virus didn't originate in the United States. Um, this originated in China, we think, and the World Health Organization's now they're studying the origination and what animals it originated, but, but some of these markets it probably originated. But if we can't prevent this from mutating in other countries, we may end up with a very virulent strain that our vaccines don't work in. So we don't want to just vaccinate the United States. We don't want to just vaccinate the Western European areas, but we want to vaccinate all the countries around the world that we can so that we prevent this actual virus from mutating on a constant basis. Um, So This works a little bit differently. Do you realize how this works compared to the messenger RNA vaccines and Moderna and Pfizer, Bill? No, I was under the impression it was more of a standard uh, type vaccination. It it came from the adenovirus. uh... It kind of. It's kind of a different adenovirus. What this is, it's uh, this vaccine uses an adenovirus. You're absolutely correct. Um, The adenovirus can cause a common cold. But this adenovirus has been unable to replicate. So it's an adenovirus. It's never going to have babies. Um, And this adenovirus carries a gene from COVID-19. It gets that gene gets into our human cells, just as the genes of messenger RNA are that gets in there and tells it to make the spike protein. Very similar. Um, But it doesn't make COVID-19. It's not going to give you COVID-19. It only makes these spike proteins, which primes the immune system to fight off the virus when you're exposed to it. Um, so it's well known, you're right, the, the adenovirus is well known in the human population. Um, so a lot of us have 
antibodies against it. So this one's a little bit different of an adenovirus, but it doesn't, it, this can be, remain stable for years at minus four degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and that's huge uh, to have something that could be placed in a, you know, in a freezer that any hospital or uh, doctor's office could get. And then if you want to put it in the refrigerated area, it can be remain stable at 35 to 46 degrees for months, up to three months in that area. So this yeah, I mean, is, we, we're, you know, we all have to get to this, uh, get into this mindset where we're, uh, we're not all safe until we're all safe. Yeah. So we, until we the world to, is safe. <laughs> yeah. We're not all safe until the world is safe. We all have to be safe from this vaccine, from this virus, or the virus will continue to replicate. It will continue to have variants. So we have to, we have to get rid of, we have to stop this virus and, uh, we have to continue our, our other, uh, um, measures just as measuring, uh, wearing masks and, uh, distancing. Um, we have to continue that, uh, for a while, but, uh, you know, just as you said, uh, we're not safe until we're all safe. So this, uh, to me, the vaccine is, is, is fantastic that we're going to be able to, uh, help the whole world because we don't have to have a refrigerator that goes down to a minus, you know, 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we can just use a standard refrigerator and, you know, this vaccine can be uh, passed all around the world. And as I understand it, Johnson and Johnson, tell me if I'm right. Johnson and Johnson tells us that they can make a uh, 1 billion doses by the summer. Is that correct? Yeah. I, you know, I've heard a lot of different numbers. Uh, I've heard a hundred million. I've heard a billion. Um, you know, sometimes manufacturing at the rapidity we think we can manufacture at doesn't come to fruition. Uh, I will be happy if we have a hundred million doses in the United States, but I'm going to be really happy if we start sending these vaccines around the world. The European Commission just authorized their thir third COVID-19 vaccine, which is the AstraZeneca one. Um, and they had clinical trials in the United States, Brazil, and South Africa, and again, showed it was safe and effective. Um, we don't have a lot of older populations in theirs. Uh, these other three vaccines we do, but, you know, we need the more vaccines we get, the greater rapidity we get these out. And you're absolutely correct. We have to prevent this virus from replicating. Every time it replicates, there's a chance of a mistake that will make it stronger in its babies. Um, and the stronger babies live the longest, survival of the fittest. So they will be the ones that propagate. So the ones that can spread easier and the ones that are more virulent or can cause more damage will be the ones that live on. Uh, so we need to be vaccinating the United States, but the rest of the world at the same time. Now, um, I understand that you volunteered to uh, pass out the vaccine, uh, both in the United States and in other parts of the world. Yes. I mean, I think it's that important um, that I think healthcare providers should be volunteering. And, you know, I'll feel much better the longer I get to my second vaccine. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I'm not going to skip any preventative measures. Um, I still haven't seen my grandkids in a long time. And, uh, you know, it's hard to be totally protected when you're around grandkids jumping on you. So I haven't seen them, except I see them on Zoom every night. Um, but I think we need to be, the, the whole world is in this together. This, this virus is on every single continent. 
Some places have reacted better to it with a little bit better preventative measures, whether it be Australia, New Zealand, Iceland, places like that, Germany, um, you know, South Korea. But we're in this together and we have to get out of this together. Um, so we can't be selfish. All right, Alan, thank you again. That was a great discussion. If you like evidence-based medicine, our podcast, uh, please subscribe to our channel. Please tell your friends about uh, our podcast. Thank you, Alan, for another great discussion. I I always enjoy the encyclopedic knowledge you have of uh, all these topics. I I, I find it uh, really very, um, very uh, fascinating and stimulating to to hear really all aspects of uh, disease process. Thank you, Bill, and be safe.